You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, what a heck of an episode we just recorded. I got Logan Ransley. He's one of the co-founders of Landlord Studio. And uh, we touch on a whole lot of stuff. It is exciting for me because I love talking about the rental market, especially the tools, products, and services that are serving the mom and pop owner and investor. Landlord Studio is designed specifically for those, you know, those that are owning that one to 25 rental properties. As they say, it simplifies and automates the process of collecting and reconciling rental income and expense transactions. Logan details, they saw the pain point as being a residential real estate investor was the accounting, finances, keeping track of things. And that's what they aimed and set out to solve for. We get into the founding story, some of the differences between landlords and property managers, how that affects the product, and even should startups be thinking about being the the entire platform, the all it, or should they be thinking more about partnerships, embedded integrations? I don't want to spoil anything more. Let's jump in. Hey, Logan, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's been a very busy year for us, so it's all it's all good stuff here at Landlord Studio. I'm glad uh, we got a chance to finally connect earlier this year. I know we were what? I mean, we were basically kind of, sort of competitors in the past, but see, now we're not competitors yeah. anymore. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, yeah. it felt good for me to finally reveal, at least, and say on the outside, like. I'm sorry I never reached out. <laughs> You're my competitor at the time when I was out of Vail. And um, quite frankly, I take that seriously. And so, um, you know, yeah. but but now we don't have we don't have those barriers. So we can we can be friends and, and it's yeah. great. So I'm, I'm really glad to uh, to go to connect here and also share what you guys have been building because I've been watching you guys. I've been following you were competitor Vail. Of course, I was following you guys. So why don't we do this and still instead of I was, I was watching you too so that's okay <laughs> so it, instead of uh, me giving it away i'll let you go ahead introduce yourself let everyone know who you are and what you do cool logan from landlord studio uh one of the co-founders here um we basically provide simple cloud-based accounting tools for landlords uh, and we focus on the diy landlords that are self-managing um, their rental properties typically from somebody who starts with, you know, one rental property all the way up to 50, 60 properties. Uh, we focus on that financial aspect of um, the day-to-day -day management. So tracking income and expenses, uh, helping you stay compliant and helping you get ready for tax, tax time. And then we wrap a number of different property management features uh, into, the prop, uh, into the product as well to just help your day-to-day -day business operations. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks, thanks for that really great intro and kind of spelling out the the problem that you guys are focused on. I want to start from probably something that's pretty basic, 
and I think I say basic from those who are working in the space, but maybe not for those who are not working in the space day to day. Is Landlord Studio for property managers or landlords? Is there really a difference? And why does that matter, especially from a product perspective? Yeah, so from our perspective, we see a clear difference between uh, a landlord self-managing and a property manager. Um, we find the self-managing landlords, I mean, it's, it's their business, it's their financial aspirations, it's their long-term goals to create uh, passive income or a, a business where they can leave their nine to five uh, or become an entrepreneur. So the mindset is quite different to a property manager who's simply just managing other people's properties. It might be their own business, but they don't necessarily have the same sort of passion and actually expanding uh, and buying real estate. Uh, and in particular, focus on that specific property uh, like the landlord. So we see a clear difference. And from that perspective, we have created tools for the self-managing landlord, the ones that are, you know, they are, they are their business owners um, and they have a passion for growing their real estate portfolio, et cetera, and actually taking a hands-on approach as well. So that's why we've created the tools to be able to manage the business uh, by themselves on the go uh, every day. So, yeah, and I mean, and I, I asked that, and I, I, I know that you know exactly where I'm coming from because you, you'll get requests from people where either it's a partnership, you know, B two B, or it's actually from property managers. Like this product isn't working, and then it's like, well, there's a good reason yeah. why it's not working for you very well. Is that it's not really built for that. There's entirely different workflows and work streams has the case always been focused on for you guys the individual or was that something you had to discover as you really saw like the differences of work streams i think it's a bit of both so just a bit of context to how the business came apart or came about so my business partner charles was living in london in the uk at the time and he's a mobile developer and he basically saw an opportunity to invest in rental properties as a way to get out of um, you know the nine to five uh, and like everyone right but being a mobile developer he wanted a solution to be able to manage the stuff on the go from from your hand or anywhere uh, in the world uh, and and so when he looked for a solution to try find um, for, to do that, uh, there wasn't anything on the marketplace. So he basically just coded one up as a simple way to log income, track expenses, uh, very simple interface from your mobile device uh, so that he didn't have to use a spreadsheet. Um, and then when he did that, he put it onto the app store and it just naturally started getting traction, people finding the product, downloading it and paying for it. So it, it kind of opened up this opportunity where um, where we discovered that the, there was this problem with tracking the financial aspect of, of a rental mm -hmm. business almost by accident. Um, and, and from that, as we've expanded out the product, we've learned uh, what is important to landlords and, 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 and what features actually help them become better business operators essentially so a uh, bit of a long-winded answer to your question but 
essentially it did start with the focus on self-managing landlords um, because it started with uh, Charles and and over time we've had to really hone in on that and make sure that we're continuing to focus on that type of person rather than branching too far out into property management etc because as you're aware uh, that there's lots of different types of real estate verticals uh, and you can quickly become clouded with uh, feature requests for all these different types. I love that you mentioned the fact that it was like a mobile app um, because I, I just distinctly remember, and I know I shared the story with you. I was at the Bigger Pockets conference last year in New Orleans and, you know, talking to, to different investors and landlords and talking to one guy and he's like, oh, I, I, yeah, I use this app. And I'm like, yeah, well, tell me about that app. because yeah, it's called Leonard Studio. I was like, oh, really? And he like pulls it up on his phone. He's like, show me everything in it. I was like, damn, that is good. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, that's pretty good. And I want to yeah. see what these guys are up to and a little bit what's happening here. I want to hear um, a little bit more, you know, as I kind of talk about what one of the customers, your customers was telling me, but what are you hearing from your customers? Like there's obviously tracking um, financials, but I don't know how you guys break down your features. So maybe uh, break down your features and maybe what's the most common feature people are using Landlord Studio for and, and why do you think that is the most common feature? Yeah, so this has been an interesting journey for us actually to discover this because what we've found over time of just talking with customers, interviewing is that throughout the year there's there's lots of different types of tasks that landlords have to do uh, in order to you know run their business, whether it's you know finding the tenant, uh, then screening the tenant, and then putting them in the property, and then collecting the rent off them. But then then also the other types of tasks around business operations like staying compliant and tracking income and expenses, etc. So what we've learned, uh, and and because we we focused the product uh, initially on the financial tracking. There wasn't actually many products around that did that. They they always focused on, well, most products focused on the day-to-day -day operations, which is important. Uh, we've, we didn't really find a lot of products that focused on that financial aspect. Now there's a few that have come out, but where we really stood out was this kind of uh, whole idea of tracking or, or doing the accounting and bookkeeping piece for a rental property and bringing them off products like QuickBooks uh, and yeah, Intuit QuickBooks, QuickBooks Desktop, spreadsheets, etc. Um, basically because those products don't scale uh, to uh, support uh, a multi-property uh, business operation. So where our features have really stood out is in this kind of income and expense tracking sides of of uh, managing the property uh, business and then over time we've we've built more features and in, into the product to make it a more of a property management tool but our focus is still in that financial aspect so uh, I guess from a from a feature breakdown perspective the most used feature is still the financial tracking aspect. Uh, it's the bookkeeping, it's the accounting, it's it's the financial reports that they then send to their CPA at the end of the year. Um, and then the bolt-on products that we have is uh, tenant screening and rent collection. So those two things are the, are the main thing. Uh, and then 
the property maintenance sides as well. So it's more of those day-to-day -day operations with the tenant. Um, but they're more, they're more auxiliary uh, types of features that landlords will then adopt uh, as they start to use the product more and more. Got it. You mentioned bolt-on features, and I, uh, I'm going to run with that word as our, as our transition here. Are you guys looking at Landlord Studio as, hey, we're going to build the all-it you know, tool that a landlord needs? Like, we're going to create the whole platform. We're going to build every feature out. Um, or do you see the future continuing with integrations, plugging and playing with other services and apps as the real future? And, you know, what has been the thinking behind, you know, evaluating between those two because i think this is a, this is a decision every startup is facing uh, mm. at some point as as tech evolves a lot of patterns it creates new patterns it creates new categories so curious how you guys are thinking about that yeah so that's an interesting question i think when you start a business you have this vision of being the all-in-one being everything to everyone and then as you venture through your business you start to realize that actually niching down is a really powerful way to grow out a customer base um, so what we've done is we've niched down into the accounting piece because that is still a really important aspect of the business and it's actually becoming more important as regulation changes and things come about uh, in the industry so our vision is to be the best bookkeeping accounting piece for the la for landlords, which does include integrations as well. So uh, QuickBooks, Xero, et cetera, are, are currently on our roadmap. The auxiliary pieces where uh, we've bolted on rent, rent collection and, and maintenance requests and tenant screening, them are the pieces that help our users retain in our, in our system without having to go into other products. Uh, but we we still believe that by focusing in on this accounting piece, that's where we're really going to win because ultimately by branching out too uh, too far too early in the in the business journey, you 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 dilute yourself and and you become a product that is just another product in the industry. You don't really stand out. So I think at the right time where we have a large enough community, then we start to branch out into the all-in-one solution um, is kind of what we're thinking. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. You, you, you alluded to changing regulations. Now, this is something I'm, I'm a fairly attuned to. The number of changes, especially, and, and unfortunately, it's not just as easy as like the federal level. Okay, there's all these new rules we have to play by. It's like state by state, county by county, city by city. Of There's been a lot of interesting changes in the last few years. What are some of those regulations and changes that you guys are seeing? And, and also like, why does that matter towards product development? You know, when you're thinking about product development, how does that impact your decisions and long-term thinking? Yeah, so, I mean, some of the trends that we are seeing is more from a global level. Um, this whole, I, I mean, global level of being kind of the westernized countries, US, Canada, UK. 
we're seeing this kind of movement towards a digitized type accounting, uh, a digitized type compliance accounting um, requirement from from the government. So what that means is, I, I mean, for example, in the UK and Canada, they're actually seeing a lot of underreported income from real estate, particularly, um, which is why they've started to require landlords and, and real estate investors to report this through digital types of products. Um, U, UK being uh, an example of that with their new making tax digital legislation, for instance, and, and Canada looking at some of these uh, regulations as well. So what we're kind of seeing is this this trend that's moving towards that where uh, where business operators are adopting cloud products more and more. And then from a government perspective, they actually see that as an opportunity to actually stay, help people uh, report their income uh, and, and taxes uh, in a more, uh, uh, open way, I guess, it helps them see uh, exactly what's going on by making it a compliance issue or regulation. Yeah, and I believe this last year was the first year uh, some of this stuff took hold in the U.S. And even this year, if if you're managing rent payments, right, you have to like get signed W nines exactly, every yep. customer. I mean, it that was a it was a pretty significant shock. Yeah. Uh, sent to you know investors and then you know at the same time w- those changes with like Venmo and PayPal mm-hmm. on you know certain number I think it was anything over six hundred dollars on the year or whatever is gonna you're gonna have to report whether you pay taxes on it is a whole different thing but it still yeah. has to be recorded it's and just, I think that that was yeah that was the whole real... idea of of, of mm-hmm. the, the IRS or, or governments um, the governments having just more insight into what's happening on a business level. Um, that's that's the biggest change we're seeing. One of the challenges that uh, in, you know hits any product in this category is finding your customer. What are you guys doing to overcome that challenge to finding the the mom and pop, the individual investor, um, to even introduce them to Landlord Studio? Yeah, it's been an interesting challenge, um, and I'm sure you're quite aware of it at uh, at Avail and also other uh, companies. But um, I mean, our growth has been pretty organic to date, uh, or from inception. So we're focused very heavily on educational marketing, um, which a lot of the competitors in the industry have as well. And the reason why is because uh, an inbound method seems to work better uh, because your landlords are not just, I mean, people don't, when it comes down to like the detail, landlords can be doctors, they can be dentists, they can be lawyers. They don't really have this title of, you know, like a doctor or a dentist. They, they encompass lots of different factors. So actually finding them is quite difficult unless you're heading uh, the pain point of what you're trying to solve. Um, and so we're focused really heavily on this educational aspect of of introducing landlords, uh, landlord studio at the time uh, that they start to experience these pain. Um, what we're finding now is, you know, there is a ceiling to that, like it's very hard to control 
reaching these people uh, when it just comes down to this their search intent. So now we're looking at ways of uh, expanding out through partnerships where we can partner with uh, partners that have access to these customers. Um, you know, things like insurance companies, things like banks, things like uh, accountants, etc. So um, yeah, that's that's where we see the next stage of growth uh, for us. Yeah, it's a it's a tough challenge. So, you know, I I did some sleuthing and dug into SEM Rush before this and was like, hey, I don't. It's interesting. You guys must have been working on your content SEO earlier this year because it seems like it's had quite a bit of ramp up in the uh, some of your keyword rankings. So whatever you're doing uh, must must be working because at least SEM Rush is reporting uh, some good keyword rankings for you guys and quite a nice growth curve. So. Uh, yeah. clearly, you know, there's some, <laughs> some proof into putting there, but it's still, it's hard. It's hard. You know, it's you, a long term. It doesn't move fast. The feedback circle is long, you know, just cause you rank for something like my favorite one at avail was, uh, you know, it, well, we had like two, like just bizarre things that just worked really well, which is like one is like how to cool in an apartment without air conditioning. It's massive search volume. You, I mean, I never would have thought, it, but you know. That's why you hire writers that are smarter than you. And the other one I think we had um, that was really phenomenal, which was um, uh, how to handle noise complaints. Mm. And at you know at the start of the pandemic when everyone went to work from home, the traffic to that article skyrocketed. Wow! Because yeah. everybody was irritated with their neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fascinating to to see some macro trends like that, you know, impacting the space and uh, you know. Just through the, the content so, so you guys um you're not just us you know, a lot of times you know we, we talk to companies that are focused on us what are all the different markets you're playing in right now yeah so it's interesting because we're probably i mean landlord studio in the us uh, our brand is probably one of the only ones that play outside the us as well um intentionally so we actually play in the uk as well um and we also have customers in Australia and, and New Zealand and, and Canada. So, but our top two markets are US, UK. Uh, UK is a very interesting market for us uh, because the regulation push there is something that's driving adoption of our product. Um, but yeah, we because our product's been de designed as an agnostic fee, uh, product. I mean, accountant, accountancy uh, and, and bookkeeping and uh, for real estate is quite similar across every country. I mean, it's just tracking your income and outgoings, right? And then what you do with that information is it comes down to the individual locations you're in. But um, by creating a, a product that's been focused on that uh, as the primary sort of feature, it means that we've been able to play in multiple markets without really having to change the fundamentals of, of how our product works. Sure, we have some US specific features, rent collection, tenant screening, etc. But the core of the product is obviously the bookkeeping part. So that's allowed us to grow in multiple markets. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, that's given us a bit of a competitive edge when it comes to, uh, I guess, a global brand. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, that comes with its own challenges. You know, mm, what have been sure, some of the points sure. of friction that I'm sure some of you had, you had to have known okay, this is going to be tough, but possibly there was a few that you, you had, you didn't 
uh, see coming or maybe sure. didn't know yeah. would be so difficult. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the challenges have really come down to the individual using our product. So, for instance, US has a very strong um, a strong pull towards real estate investing and, and growing a portfolio, for instance. Um, the, the pathway to growth is, uh, it tends to be a lot stronger than some somewhere like the UK where, you know, 80, 90% of the landlord market is simply just a side rental property that a lawyer's bought as, as a, you know, just a, an investment on the side. So that it's more that the challenges are more around the persona and the, the type of user that we're dealing with. Um, UK tends to be quite price sensitive as well. Um, because most of these investors are not real estate investors trying to build a real estate business. They're simply mum and pop landlords that have a rental property and we help them, um, but they don't have an intention of growing into a big real estate portfolio. So yeah, those are some of the, the main challenges. Um, and then from a feature perspective, we haven't really uh, experienced huge feature disparity between the two countries. So we've still been able to grow the product in both markets um, relatively easy. So yeah. What, what, um, curious, like, uh, you know, across the, the different markets you're in, like, what does that look like from a user base or number of doors on, on the platform? And uh, follow up to that is, you know, did you see, you know, the pandemic affected many businesses differently? What effect, if any effect, did, did that have on, on, the, on your company growth? And has that continued or did that affect Wayne? Yeah, so I'll start with the last question. So, COVID didn't really impact our business uh, too much. I mean, actually, it probably helped our business grow because basically these landlords that uh, had now uh, had to start working from home and remotely uh, now had the tools to be able to do that easier. So um, that's where we've played to our strengths. Uh, in terms of the user difference between the two countries, and, and number of doors, uh, for instance. I mean, the average number of doors in the US uh, for our type of client sits, you know, under, it sits over 10, um, but under 20. So it's more of a high value client uh, who have started to grow their rental practice or rental business and then found our tool for the, for the accounting piece. Um, the user in the UK is actually much lower the the average user in the UK actually only has one property and it's typically a single family home or a uh, or a one unit type of complex uh, and you know that represents 90% of the industry and then actually the top 10% of landlords are actually massive massive land massive landlord type associations or corporations there's very little in between, which is the, the difference we see between the U UK and the US. You've got the segment in between in the US that are very entrepreneurial DIY. They're, they're self-managing, growing this, this portfolio, and they might be at 20 units, uh, and they're still doing a lot of the day-to-day -day operations. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's really the big difference between the two markets. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that creates, like, um, even that in itself, like, kind of goes back to your customer acquisition strategy because, you know, on the one uniters, you just can't, you know, spend the same as you can on that 10 to 20. And that 10 to 20, though, that's where it's kind of a good sweet spot to be because the problems that they are experiencing can cause real pain. And so then it's it, the convincingness of like, you know, to trade a few dollars to solve that pain is, is a whole lot easier, you know, to be able to yeah. convince them versus when it's, you know, one or two properties, you can kind of just deal with the problem. It hasn't compounded or multiplied, you know, up to that point. Um, yeah. And just for the UK sides, um, that kind of user disparity or, or difference, um, the way that we're actually solving that is through compliance change. So in the UK, for instance, uh, everyone who earns more than 10,000 pounds, which is basically $10,000 uh, in revenue a, a year, which is pretty much everyone, uh, is now required by law to use a product um, to store digital records. So we're actually we're actually solving a a, pro, a compliance problem now more so than the than that kind of pain point problem, um, which is where we see our next stage of growth in the UK. Oh, interesting. I want to talk a little bit about the data analysis you guys have been doing. Um, the last few years, uh, you know, not to bring everything back to the pandemic, but I think the last few years is really the first time there's been both a high demand for, hey, what's happening in the mom-pop single-family rental industry? And at the same time, we've had tech that enabled to accurately measure. And we have these like surveys, right, that the census does. And you have to take them with a bit of a grain of salt. They tend to be skewed one way or the other as far as like on terms of like, you know, rent per month and that sort of thing. Um, what, I want to hear what you guys have been tracking. What have you seen that's going on? Um, the news seems to say that everyone's rents have gone up 20%. Is that true? Have you seen that? Uh, and also payment trends. Are people able to pay their rent? Are they falling behind? What's going on there? Yeah, so the last report we actually did was earlier in the year. Um, and then the, the one before that was the previous year. So it was quite interesting because basically what we saw was over the course of the pandemic, over the two years, um, I think basically right at the start of the pandemic where um, you, you had a whole lot of uh, checks and, and cash issued to the public through the government, uh, allowed them to pay uh, for things and their rent uh, much easier. So we actually saw on-time rent payments um, very, quite, quite high, like, uh, rent that was underpaid or not paid on time was was very low statistically uh, in those first kind of months and then when all that dried up uh, towards the last uh, end of last year and towards the uh, beginning of this year we actually saw rent payments or on-time rent payments actually decrease uh, and, and drop uh, and vacancy rates uh, start to increase around that so i i think from us analyzing the data, what we've seen is really kind of what you would expect uh, as the government started to do and uh, to do different things and introduce new regulations and introduce 
new ways of trying to tackle uh, the COVID pandemic and, and inflation, et cetera. Essentially, rent payments basically followed the same trend as what the government was doing, which is was, which was quite fascinating, actually. So um, that's what we saw uh, from our data set. Um, however, you know, there was uh, lots of different reports telling you lots of different things. Uh, our data comes straight from our user base. So uh, I guess from our uh, data segment what we see was kind of uh yeah representative of what was happening yeah I, I i get frustrated and i've talked about it a few times online but i really wish journalists would just uh, maybe think on it a little bit before just publishing the story because of new rent asking prices and and then apply that to the market as a whole because uh, it's just not true yeah it's just you know you know the top tier yeah. of the market is always going to lead the market in price, but it does. It's not necessarily reflective of the entire market. And having I data sources, I also don't find. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to hear yeah, what you I also don't. I also don't find journalists typically reference uh, data like hard data sources in their uh, in their publications. They typically follow uh, hype type uh, trends where they may have heard something online. Uh, through social media, et cetera, and then taken that and then written an article around that, which is why it changes all the time. I mean, I can tell you that um, right now. I, you know, look, I, I have some great relationships with journalists all throughout the industry, but I've also had some comments from journalists. We're on the phone and, they, and flat out, Nate, this is great data. The reality is I'm looking for a story of a landlord losing their property right now because their tenant isn't paying. And I was like, well, I don't yeah. have anyone I can refer to. <laughs> I can't yeah. refer. I just I don't have that one for it. like keep digging. I guess, but that's not the trend. Uh, I guess fortunately, but not for your story. Um, but we, you know, I spoke we, to a journalist uh, recently, and uh, they, I mean, they basically said they needed a story that sells. They needed a story that generates uh, either fear or interest or or clicks because that's how it's monetized. Um, so what you do see around the industry can be quite warped, uh, and, and that's where we recommend, uh, landlords if they are looking to use the information as a guidance for, for business, uh, strategy and, and operations to actually go to sources where it's coming from legitimate types of users, uh, and actually use it as their source of truth or our source of truth, uh, rather than you just general publications. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna quickly give two shout outs and then I'm gonna move on. PropMoto and HousingWire, two industry, uh, you know, news sources, and I've gotten to know you know the teams over both of them. I've never once had ever discussions like that of how do we use fear, or find me a sad story. You know, really they're yeah. just digging at the truth and and want to shine light on truth. So shout out to them and even you know, the, I've had some yeah. It, it's just kind of frustrating to experience that but uh, appreciate you guys even doing that i think it's it's good for the industry as a whole logan we're gonna we're gonna transition here and uh, get to my favorite part of the show uh towards the bottom of the show here this is called for the future for the fuse future is a segment where i get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions are you ready to play yeah all right, let's do this. Let's do it. <laughs> Question number one, what does Landlord Studio look like one year from now? One year from now, we will be 
uh, scaling in the UK, UK market specifically. And we will be one of the, we will be the number one property management tool um, in the UK market for uh, making tax digital compliance. Question number two. This one's totally easy. You're gonna yeah. I know you're gonna have the answer for this one. Is the U.S. single family rental market likely to remain mostly owned by mom pops, or will private equity family offices end up controlling the bulk of SFRs in the next five years? Why? I'm not sure I can answer that, actually. I, I don't have enough research and data to make an opinion. And uh, yeah, so I, I couldn't answer, unfortunately. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not going to leave our, our listeners what, what, hanging what, here too much. Yeah, you, what's I'm going to throw in my own prediction. <laughs> I, think, I think mom and pops still remain the bulk in charge. It's about, you know, last I looked and from... From data sources I have was still about 80% owned by the mom and pops. And um, there would have to be a catastrophic, really, truly catastrophic event that forced the unloading of yeah. those properties. Uh, and so um, I really, really hope that never happens because <laughs> I think if that ever happened, it would be quite significant. I do, however, think that we will see the percentage of ownership trend upward uh, slowly but meaningfully in, in the um, very professional uh, private equity family office style ownership and you know large portfolios in the yeah. thousands i will of actually share my perspective um now i've just remembered uh, of of um some information that was shared to me at a conference recently but um i think from my perspective the the ownership percentage actually might increase because of the current climate economically interest rates rising uh, house prices not really rising at the same rate so uh, landlords or, or, or mum and pups may be forced to rent out properties more so than sell them because they'll actually potentially lose money on, on selling these properties uh, in some cases but also there's this huge movement towards short-term rentals as well around Airbnbs, et cetera. And I think a lot of these uh, uh, mum and pops are seeing, you know, their side rental property as a great Airbnb solution. Um, the ZeroCon conference that I was at about four weeks ago, uh, one of the executives said they're a super host on Airbnb and the demand for Airbnbs is just uh, skyrocketing. So I think from an ownership perspective, more so than long-term rental perspective, uh, that might actually cause a lot or contribute to a lot of um, uh, retain retainership in, in these properties among that single-family home and that mom-and-pop segment. Very cool. All right, number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away? <laughs> from a software point of view or a business point of view or from a real estate point of view <laughs> this is uh well, put it this way. through your own lens you apply your own lens from a real estate investor's point of view i think the more regulation that actually makes the the life of a landlord more difficult but it makes our life better from a business point of view because it means that we can add more value and, and solve more problems through that compliance so 
uh, from my perspective, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword there. Um, uh, and I, I would say that, that <laughs> from a landlord's perspective, that's probably the biggest one, is the compliance. It's the, the further uh, regulation um, changes that come to the industry to make investing in real estate just a little bit more challenging and uh, a little bit more harder to do without really being intentional about it. All right, last one on for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Sorry, could you repeat the question? The solve the yeah. What what's one thing you believe yeah. will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? I personally believe that with the tech um, enablements around helping a landlord to self-manage, uh, whether it's the bookkeeping, whether it's property management, whether it's the new types of um, uh, payment apps and um, easier access to credit, et cetera, through digital digitization, uh, that's actually going to help landlords become more independent and not outsource their business to property managers uh, to do uh, that types of management. So that's my belief and that's uh, my belief for our business as well. Uh, that's where we're playing to our strengths. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we can give the power to the landlords to better manage their business and not have to pay excruciating amounts of money to, to agents to do that for them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. These last three, Logan, are all about you so our listeners get to know you just a little bit better. First one here is what are you reading? I'm more of a podcast listener and so kind of change it slightly. Simon Sinek is a great uh, person to listen to. Uh, he's got books too. Um, but he has some really valuable advice on leadership and leadership when it comes to running a business as well, um, particularly. So he's someone that I'm really fascinated about. Um, and I think he captures the attention of a lot of uh, entrepreneurs as well, um, just in terms of how deeply thought out his, his ideas are. So. That, that's someone they, that, that I'm listening to at the moment. Uh, you know, I've actually never listened to anything from him, but Start With Why, Leaders Eat Last, uh, both of those books. Mm -hmm. Start With Why for me, I remember actually, side story here, but I read it and then like, or, or, or I think I actually listened to it when I first started running. And I, I was jazzed up listening to this book and I think I was only a few chapters in and I went home and just like on reckless abandonment, I just emailed my CEO <laughs> and said, what's your why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, I was just yeah. like, and then I remember sending it. I was like, I don't know if I should have sent that. Like, <laughs> cause I was just so pumped up. But I mean, at the same time, like, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's got some great, he's got a great way of delivering a lot of insights. Um, question number two here, yeah. who are you learning from? Who am I learning from? I mean, there's, there's two sides to this. There's, I mean, the first is that revisiting the kind of people I'm listening to, um, and, and watching and reading from, um, the one is the first one is obviously Simon Sinek. Um, and then the, the second part to that question is 
from a business point of view, we have a lot of investors and partners that work with us on our board uh, and, and as shareholders. They tend to contribute the most value that's uh, you know actionable because they're working with us. So uh, I would I would shout out to our chairman uh, Serge Van Dam uh, and some of our other partners as well uh, in in the ecosystem. So from a personal perspective, they've helped challenge me to really look at how our company is formed and how it operates and how the culture uh, uh, is ingrained throughout all of our staff as well, particularly as we go into this growth stage of hiring more people and, and building out all the different functions of the business becomes really important. So that's top of mind for me at the moment. And, and that's what I've been trying to focus on and learn from, uh, from our uh, from our partners that work with us. Very cool. Our last one here, what inspires you? What inspires me? Um, the main thing that inspires me is young entrepreneurs that get into businesses because they have a dream and then they're willing to go through the pain and suffering, which they might not have known when they first started, uh, but are still willing to go through that and, and actually give it a go and 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 uh try and make something of it i think that's pretty inspiring um and my hat goes off to them because it's it's very hard <laughs> awesome logan i really appreciate your time i'm so glad we got a chance to get together and um, put this uh this interview together here before we close out uh, for those who may want to connect with you or find out more and learn more about landlord studio where do they go and how do they do that yeah, so if you're looking to find out more about Landlord Studio as a product, uh, you can go to our website, landlordstudio.com. Um, if you're looking to find out more about you know, our plans for the UK and investment and all that sort of stuff, uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the best place to find, uh, find that information. So just search for, for my name, Logan Ransley, R-A-N-S-L-E-Y on LinkedIn. Uh, if not, head to the website find out more about us there boom there it is greatly appreciate it let's keep in touch uh let me know the next time you guys put up one of your uh rent reports i i, I need to get make sure i, I don't miss that one because i think i missed the last one but uh for sure really appreciate this we'll see you around no problem enjoy the day Thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great worthy listen. We'll see you next week.